Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Weekly Jump. Uh, Hopefully Rashad cut out all that stupid stuff that we said at the very beginning. Um, But... Put that if in the not, bonus features. <laughs> yeah, by bonus features we mean things that you don't want. Um, but yeah, the uh, trash are, is what I meant. We are back this week for more weekly jump goodness. Uh, we are going to be sticking with our two shows for right now, um, and uh, I I think we're going to do New that for format. a while. Who dis? Yeah, um, I I like it mostly because I I like to go dive down deep inside of these shows that we're covering. Um, yeah. Instead of just like skimming the surface with them, like I had enough time to read uh, uh, about five chapters of our manga we're covering and the anime. I watched the first three episodes to get kind of a good feel for it. Um, but yeah, before I got, we I begin got the first there, three as well. You know, there's this thing. I think we've mentioned this on the show. In fact, I think we've mentioned it on a Monday pod before that there is this kind of idea in anime circles that like most anime hit their stride by episode three. So it's it's not uncommon for an anime to not really get going or even to not have given you the complete hook by the time you're done with the first episode or even the first two episodes. And that was definitely a weakness of the way we were doing the previous Monday Jump format where we each were watching two, two anime apiece and reading one manga. Now we're only watching one anime apiece and one manga. Much more manageable. I know like... Doing the Monday episodes for me was always exciting because I was getting to watch or read new stuff, but it was also stressful because I often am not able to like properly schedule out time to watch those things until the day we're recording. And so like trying to fit that in also often while trying to work from home and, uh, you know, get it done by the time Spencer's available has been very, very stressful and uh, has often messed with our schedule because sometimes I'm not able to get it done early enough. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of the new format. I We got one piece of feedback that I know of on our Discord uh, from, I think, Wonderlump, uh, who also said that he likes the new format. And um, so, so far, the only feedback we've gotten is positive. If you guys like it, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know. Uh, definitely, I don't think I could see us going back to doing five series a week again because that was tough it was also kind of a scheduling issue like sometimes when you know when we've been in the anime season for a while and we're not in a new one yet that's you're just like what do i do how do i pick three whole anime that we haven't talked about so i like this but you know we're this is the second episode that we're doing this new format right so yeah uh you know please let us know what you think yeah Okay, um, if you heard me crinkling around a little bit, it was because I was looking through my stuff to give away, um, and uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right on with that. Um, I, I like this format of giving people extra time in order to get into the giveaway, um, so we're going to be doing these uh, once a month, and that gives people enough time to kind of get caught up, uh, especially if they're, you know, they're catching up with the weekly jumps. I know we release a lot, um, so it's every four weeks we're going to be finishing up a giveaway, um, we just finished our Transformers one um, uh, as of uh, Friday, um, and uh, we uh, I'm I'm gonna start announcing the winners as as like a big thing 
um, starting with the one on Friday. So I'm I'm pretty excited about starting to do that. Um, I'm also going to uh, throw it out there for this one that um, if you want to um, start to just instead of sending us like a direct message that you want to be in on it, um, I'm going to be kind of mixing it up as well. Um, so as we get closer to the very end of them, um, I'm just going to be throwing out there that like you can enter in and basically um, on, on a different way from it. Um, but the way that I'm going to be playing around with it, though, um, is that uh, basically the 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 earlier the earlier that you can get in the um, the higher the chances that you might get a, a special bonus thing because um, I'm thinking Ooh. about just doing like a like a secondary giveaway thing. Um, I I'm not gonna do it this month, but next month when I get my new shipment of new things to give away, um, I'm gonna play around with that. Um, cool. So maybe like one that's earlier inside of the month and one that's later inside of the month. But we're we're not completely nailed down yet. Um, and I still am gonna chat a little bit with um, our good friends over at the Geekly Grind that provide us with cool stuff to give away. Um, yeah, also. Yeah. Also, uh, our Patreon um, is still is still cranking along. If you want to be a part of that um, and get caught, get jumped into it before I um, I send out my care packages. Um, I've been I've been doing those uh, with most of our Patreon patrons just because like people are around for a long time with it. Um, if you're around for long enough, I might just send you things because I love that you're still a patron with us. Yeah, so basically um, what you're saying is periodically when the spirit moves you, you give away free shit to our patrons just because. Yeah, to some of the patrons just because. Some of the patrons are actually at a tier where they get one, um, I think it's twice a year, uh, they mm-hmm. get an airmate care package. So they're always going to get it at theirs. Um, and their care package is going to be more extensive than the other one. Um, I think one of the ones that I sent out last year that was like a larger anime care package had like uh like three or four things inside of it um some of them include like hardback manga uh as well as like dvds so i I think my friend nancy got one of those she she filmed a video of herself opening it and pulling out a couple of volumes of manga and at least one dvd if i remember correctly yeah so i mean it's it's a real thing and i mean like the thing that's really cool about this too is that because of our partnership we are able to get more cool things um, I'm also reaching out to uh, local art, like local artists and artisans um, that are putting out things that are relatively not super expensive. So I can get, you know, one for each person that's going to be for the care package. But um, I found this really cool one where this guy does uh, he does. Uh, it's it's like um, uh, like a resin uh, keychain of cool. the blood stamp um, on uh, on Alphonse's uh, cool. uh, suit of armor. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, And so I'm in talks with them right now about providing some of those for a care package. And uh, in in response to doing just like a giveaway with us, as like part of a promotion. Um, So I'm I'm talking to other people right now about things that they can provide for those um, so that we can give uh, local artists and artisans either like a boost or some sort of uh, promotional thing to be part of the giveaway. Um, but more, more information on that coming down the pipeline. Um, That's awesome. So if you're listening and you want to join patron, if you are a patron, we may send you free stuff periodically. In addition to the giveaways that we do, if you go to Patreon, patronize us at a certain level, you are guaranteed free stuff periodically. Uh, and, uh, some of that free stuff will be like manga. Some of it could be DVDs. 
it'll be kind of dependent on what, what we're able to pick up, but uh, it sounds like it's pretty cool shit. And then uh, also allowing you to get some really cool artistic stuff. Um, that's awesome. Also, in addition to that, we do uh, one episode a month of bleach coverage. So if you're interested in the anime bleach, uh, you can follow along with that. And we also put out a blog that covers the manga of bleach. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, uh, I just wanted to look it up because I it, really quick, if you're if you're interested in this, you can obviously see it. Um, but we have some we have some pretty fun tiers on it as well. Um, so like the tiers you can be is you can either be a, a kid samurai charge chakra space cowboy. This isn't even my final form and I am your opponent now. Um, so we we're slowly growing our patrons. We have uh, 10 right now, which is more than I honestly ever expected to have as patrons, which is, it's just kind of blows my mind. Um, but like what you're supporting is not only like the, the podcast coming out, but also like cool stuff that we'll be able to do once the COVID cr- crap has been lifted so we can do cool stuff. Um, yeah. For, for the, patrons, the podcast is not free. Uh, we put out mm-hmm. too much content for it to be free. So your patronage actually helps us put the podcast out for other people to listen to. So that's huge. And then uh, eventually we'll be able to go to conventions and maybe take a few bucks off of our travel expenses using the Patreons as well. Oh God, man. Uh, we, a sad, a sad announcement that happened this oh, yeah. pa- past week. Um, we got an yep. email from anime central letting us know that anime central is still not happening this year. Um, it was very, very upsetting to hear that. Um, I was really, really looking forward to them possibly being one of the first ones that's going to be lifted from it. Um, everyone cross all your fingers and toes for Kamari Khan. They happen in yeah. November. Um, so that if, if possible, we will be at Kamari Khan if it yeah, is there. Odds. Yeah. If, if it is, if it is obviously not open because of that, they will probably be doing a online convention like they did last year. We were a part of it last year. We want to be a part of it in person this year. We have a good relationship with their marketing manager over there that, that had us in for, um, and we, we worked with them. They're fantastic. Um, so anyways, all that all right. being said, we do have stuff to cover and I have a thing to give away. Um, the thing I have to give away for this month is a CD. Um, it is, uh, the music from one punch man. Um, it is awesome. Uh, it, the, the artwork on the cover is fantastic. Um, you get like a, a you get one of your favorite songs screaming hero at you. Um, if you want to be a part of that giveaway, um, just send us a message in any form over our Discord, over Twitter, over Facebook, over whatever you find us on. Um, you can send it over, and it's just going to be the keyword is Crablante. Um, so if you could he send ate too us, much crab, and now he's a crab man. Crablante. Yeah, he ate too much crab, and now he's crab. Um, anyways, uh, with all that being said, we do have stuff to cover this week. Um, my vote is to go with the anime first, um, just yeah, because... Man, oh man, this anime uh, for our screen time this week is uh, Barakamon. Um, and first and foremost, he is not a Digimon. Uh, I know that most people <laughs> huge were disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> um, I am disappointed. Anyways, um, so what this manga, I mean, what this anime is, is unexpected. It is a slice of life anime about a guy who goes on a basically like a a retreat away from the world to get back to his artistic roots 
Um, and he is a calligraphy, uh, calligrapher. Yeah. Calligrapher. Um, and that it. is a way bigger deal in Japan than it is in the United States. Yeah. He, he's a professional calligrapher and he's at the in, beginning of the series shown at like a gallery and there's like masters of calligraphy and it's like calligraphy. I think here in the West is pretty much just like a nice hobby. And you might be able to sort of monetize it on the side a little bit, but probably not by much. But yeah, in Japan, it seems to be like a crucial art form that's utilized uh, enough in society that it is like a viable career path. Yeah, I I think that the thing that really struck me immediately from this is it's about the understanding that it's not just locking in stone of what you should do instead Mm -hmm. it's finding the joy and the beauty that exists inside of something that is also a uh not just a piece of art but also something that is important to everyday life and i think that that comes from the fact that like uh the the kanji and the i guess it's the kanji and the kana kanji um whatever uh I, I think that's what the the alphabets are yeah we might be um, wrong on that so feel yeah. free to correct us but please be gentle but the thing that i have really noticed about uh, japanese calligraphy as well is that um it has a a beauty to it as well as a a, a need for it in everyday life obviously when you have signs up in front of your restaurant or um you have something along the side of the highway or you have something on a menu, um, or even reading a newspaper or something like that, the the written word is very, very important. And you can have some beauty in the way that you write. So like if you're writing a script or you're writing a book or you're writing something like that, there is obviously some kind of beauty there to the way that you're putting the story together or the way that you introduce something somebody to a poem or something like that. But in Japanese, um, the words themselves as they are written out can be seen with an artistic beauty that I just don't see in like the, you know, the, the English, uh, 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 alphabet as much. Yeah. What just is it? Because like the, what do we have? The Roman alphabet. There's some term for it that we use in alphabet mm-hmm. and like, you know, like France and Spanish use very similar, almost identical alphabets um to us and stuff like that so you know we're all kind of using the same set of letters Uh, japan has a completely different system and it's much more uh there's a lot more strokes there's a lot more intricacy to the characters than than your average letter in the uh western alphabet yeah and yeah so it it really lends itself to being made into an art piece Mm -hmm. and to to you know like really playing with those uh those brush strokes that come into creating these characters. Yeah. And, and you say brush strokes, which is also like a really interesting thing about it. Like when you think about uh, American calligraphy, a lot of times what you're thinking about is people writing with pens. And the reason why is because like uh, American uh, calligraphy, calligraphy, a lot of times is about making, making them look, um, the letters look beautiful, um, but it was really you'd still need to be able to um, to read it inside of uh, the form of a sentence. And I think that that's probably the biggest difference between the two different kinds of calligraphy, you know, um, like uh, in the English uh, language and I guess any language that has our alphabet, um, the the letters themselves must form a whole in order to create a word. 
And because in uh, the the Japanese written language, um, uh, sometimes a single symbol can represent a word um, or like a couple of symbols can represent a word in what part of the sentence they're in. You can really play around with like the beauty of how that specific word is drawn. It's it's really it's almost like it's almost like, uh, you know, I play around with it with like the word of like hieroglyphics. Like the the way that hieroglyphics are done, there was a beauty to um like the old Egyptian language and hieroglyphics, where like mm-hmm. yes, they're telling a story, but also the hieroglyphics themselves are like these beautiful images that are printed on a wall or carved in a stone tablet. You know, yeah, it's there's really that same different... kind of beauty with with like paint. Yeah, it's a really different philosophy that seems to undergird the the kind of foundations of our our written language and the way our alphabet works is a, you know, a series of symbols that, that stands for a series of sounds that you combine to create a word. Whereas uh, in, in Japan, I think also very similar to China, Chinese, Korean, and that those kind of um, more symbol based languages you'll have. I mean, there can be combinations of symbols for sure, but the uh, there are often, as Spencer said earlier, uh, just a, a litany a, a huge uh backlog of symbols to learn it can be a real barrier to entry oh, yeah. because it's like I, I don't know i'm learning japanese on duolingo and it, it's like it's fun and i'm definitely recognizing symbols but there's so many and it's oh, yeah. just like i mean duolingo is not necessarily the best way to learn anyway uh mm-hmm. but like it's a it's a lot and it's a it's astonishing that i can learn you know what a symbol means and what sound it makes and how it works in a sentence and then you know, two lessons later, I find a new symbol that does the same sound and has the same meaning mm-hmm. um, or a different symbol that has the same sound, but a different meaning, but they oh, sound yeah. the same, but they're not the same, you know, and it's just it's, like, there's it's, so many options. It's wild to me. Like I, I was, uh, I was uh, spending time with a roommate of mine from college and he talked to me about um, when he was learning Japanese inside of college. And he was like, you have to reteach your brain how to think about language, especially the written language when you're learning mm-hmm. Japanese, because your your brain as a English speaker just does not understand the the same the same way that it's broken out. So you're having to reteach yourself how to think in different languages. Whereas yeah. um, uh, he also I, I think he's I think he also learned French or Spanish when he was in high school. Um, and he told me that that was much more simple to understand because at least it used the same alphabet. So yeah, because they, came, they come from the same place. You know, I know French and uh, I think one of the biggest differences between French and Japanese or, you know, French and English versus Japanese is that the syntax is almost the same with yeah. French. You know, most of the time you don't really switch around. You know, if I'm I'm saying the the big blue dog, those words are going to be in the same or almost the same order in french but if i'm saying that in japanese it's going to be more like dog is the subject blue and big is <laughs> is kind of the syntax of that so it's like yeah it's just a totally different animal anyway this is not what we're talking about barakamon is a story about a calligrapher not about calligraphy and he has a kind of a tragic incident happen to him that is completely his fault which is that uh, at a at a um, a gallery at the beginning of the series in 
older established um, figure in the calligraphy world looks at his work and says that it is basically soulless, that it, it's, it's all, all function and no form essentially. Uh, and the main character takes it so personally that he ends up punching the guy because, uh, because he's offended that his artwork is being seen as not artistic enough um which i i understand you know if you if you put your your heart into your artwork it might not be the best artwork and people might not get it and you can take that personally um but he takes it so personally that he ends up punching the guy which sort of soft exiles him from the calligraphy world it doesn't sound like he's been blacklisted at least in the first three episodes but uh he is kind of put on a bus and sent out of town by his dad who understands that this is not a socially acceptable thing that happened. And um, he, you know, then our main character says something early on, I believe in the first episode that kind of backs up what the old dude said, but, uh, but is, he just isn't self-aware of it, which is basically that like he has worked really hard to be really good at the, the sort of basics and the foundations of calligraphy. And you, he, he's basically like, you can't, you can't, do your artwork without these foundational techniques. And I am really good at those foundational techniques. And so how dare he say that my artwork is an artwork. And it's like, he he's realizing that, uh, or he, he hasn't realized yet, but he is kind of like uh, unconsciously realized that there's a difference between knowing how to do something and making art. And, and yeah. And like, that's, that's one of the things that really, kind of shines through with this anime is that it it really starts to connect that people can you can understand you know the the basics of how to write but that does not make that does not a writer make like you know mm-hmm. it is it is not one of those things where it's just like yeah you you have the tools in order to start working on something but like if if i had a a set of paints in front of me I could paint something, but because I am not number one, super artistically talented in that way. And number two, I haven't put any practice inside of it. I don't understand those, uh, those like fundamental things in order to get something beautiful at the end of it. Yeah. That all being said, we're, we're we're both actors and there's this sort of, uh, phrase that is frequently said of actors, which is, you know, acting isn't hard. You just go where they tell you and say what they tell you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Very that's, that's true, but, uh, it's a lot more than that. You know, if you just, you know, I mean, you take anybody who is untrained or who is just starting out and is like really nervous and doesn't have that, you know, every once in a while, somebody just like has the gene and they kind of get it from the get go. But like most people, when they're starting out acting, they're really wooden. They're really awkward. They're the lines that they say sound like they are reading it rather than saying it. And that they don't sound like they have any thought or intention behind it. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just all artwork comes, it comes with, you know, passion and inspiration and hard work. And he seems to have not realized the passion and inspiration part. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets shipped off to this Island, this pretty remote community Island. And this is so Japanese. I don't know if this is like a, a typical Japanese experience uh, or if I'm just, uh, you know, an ignorant onlooker, but like he shows up on this Island and his dad has made like, like uh 
preparations for him to get there, I guess. So he has a place to stay, but the place to stay is like a, it's like a small, um, I don't know, apartment or whatever that has just been kind of unlived in on the island for a while. And it seems to be under sort of the direct care of the mayor. So it's not like a leasing agent or a rental company or something is taking control of this. It's just like the local mayor who lets the dude in and then he gets in and there's like stuff everywhere because these local girls have just been like using it for their clubhouse and hanging out in there. And like, I don't know, there's just, there's, there's a really interesting sense of culture shock when he gets there uh, that comes from him being in an unfamiliar environment, but also from me being in a different culture and just like experiencing this through him and wondering how much of this is the kind of thing that people go through on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel that uh, with him coming into this because he, it's definitely a fish out of water situation for him. Yeah. Like he is used to big city living and now he's has to go and become a like country mouse. Um, And one of the things that he has to do while he's becoming this quote unquote country mouse sort of situation is that he also has to learn how to live more simply and uh, see the beauty inside of the world, which is one of the things that when he's creating his calligraphy, that's something that he needs to start to learn as well, is that he has to start start seeing the world beautifully. There is a great metaphor that happens at the beginning of it where he is talking about uh, he's riding along with the guy who's giving him a ride from the airport. And the guy riding uh, with him from the airport giving a ride on the back of his tractor, he lets him know that um, he looks out at the ocean and he's like, yeah, you have to see the beauty of the ocean. And his response back was, uh, or he's like, how beautiful the ocean is. And he was like, he looks at it and he's just like, well, I mean, it's just the ocean. And he's like, well, I mean, yeah. I guess you're seeing it with a lot of clouds, but you have to get used to seeing the beauty of it with clouds and the, in, on a, in a, you know, on a noun cloudy day so you can see the beauty of it. And there's even a moment later on inside of the first episode where he's looking out at the ocean and um, the one uh, the little girl character that is going to be the person that is going to be the cutest and most annoying character in the show. I'm sure of it um, uh -huh. is bothering the hell out of him and also kind of living in the house that he's living in um, as a as a fort. Um, she comes up and she's looking at uh, his art or his his calligraphy and also looking at, at the ocean and you can see this like wide-eyed wonder while she's looking out and you can see him just kind of deadly looking at it. And it's like, it's, there's such a, a difference in the way that one person sees the world and sees beauty and the other person just kind of seeing the world as just like almost a, um, God, I, I want to think about it as like a, a not, a, not autocrat. Um, but it, everything is just kind of like, it has a purpose and once it served its purpose, I don't need to oh, look yeah. at it anymore or think about like it. A utilitarian or something. Yeah. And it's just like, yes, those things do serve a purpose, but like, you know, there is, there is beauty inside of a tree. It's not just a thing that produces wood and oxygen and all these other things. There is also yeah, like kind of the a difference between looking at a sunset and saying it will be night soon versus looking at a sunset and saying, wow, that's beautiful. Look at those colors. Yeah. And I, I definitely see where it's coming from there. Man, this show this show has a lot of levels for me. And it's mm -hmm. one of those things where, like, I started watching it and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to really like this. Um, yeah. Just because of, like, the subject matter and the way that it comes across. But once you start to lean into the show, not only is, are the characters really endearing, um, but the, the show itself has, like, this slow-moving pace and beauty to it in that, like... 
you start to fall into these moments and fall in love with these characters. And I really loved the speed in which it told the story to the point where I was just like, if I want to watch something to just kind of like not be, you know, completely drawn into the story, but instead I just kind of watch it as like a, like a simple story in the background um, or as something that I just kind of like can chill out to and watch a couple of episodes and get me to like a more normalized space. Um, I would definitely recommend watching this show. I, I think that yeah. it's definitely a jump in for me. It's not one that I'm going to devour, but it's not one that like I would go, uh, I don't want to watch that again. It's one of those that I completely can see myself watching all of. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I'm pretty similar to you. I was sort of a, a, kind of the same thing where I was like, I don't know how into this I am, but then I, I felt compelled to like watch more of it. When I finished those three episodes, I was like, that was pretty good. But I also have found myself thinking about it since then. So I watched this yesterday morning and like I I I have such mixed feelings because, as you know, if you've listened to us for a while, uh, neither of us are really big on the slice of life stories. We usually like something that is a little bit more high energy. Um, you know, we are shown in trash, so we really like those like big battles and the you know, sprint of the narrative toward sad battles. So a slice of life story often loses me by just being a little too slow, a little too provincial, a little bit too mundane. Um, and these are things that I, I often can find enjoyment in film, but I don't often find enjoyment in series. But this one's just so charming and the characters are interesting. And I really see a lot of myself in the main character because I have been really stubborn in the past. And I, I'm often one who gets really mired in the way that things are done and the, and sort of the rules of things. And I, I can see those times in my life when I've been too focused on one aspect of something to like understand the more like freeing artistic aspect of something. Um, like, I don't know, again, as an actor, like I've been acting, not this past year, but uh, when we moved here to the, uh, to we, when we were in Cheyenne, Wyoming, now we're in Northern Colorado, but we're still pretty close. There's a really dope uh, community theater in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and they put on really good shows and there's some super talented people there. And so like I got involved in the theater and, and started acting again after a little while away from it. And um, in the intervening time, I had spent a lot of time watching like video essays on YouTube about directing and story structure. And I'd learned so much about writing and directing and creating stories and had been able to sort of like translate that through my past experiences and studies as an actor. And so in the intervening time, even though I wasn't acting, I became a better actor because it was the kind of thing I was thinking about and applying mentally to that. and. So those things that I learned, I can now look back on things that like in college, I felt like I really struggled with. Like, I don't know, there's this idea that like every every line you say and everything you do on stage has an intention behind it. You, you're trying to get something and specifically trying to get the other person to do or feel something specific. And when I was in college, I really struggled with that because I understood it. But it was like every line, how do I make every line do that? And now it comes pretty naturally to me, I would say. Um, obviously, I feel like, you know, definitely not done growing there. But like, 
it's the aspect of like coming up with what I'm trying to accomplish in a different, in a whatever scene is so simple for me now. And it's just like, it's so simple that I can't believe I had a, had a hard time with it. And so this main character really evokes that with me because he's apparently a bit young to be a professional calligrapher. So he's maybe somebody who's come to this really quickly or really early. Mm -hmm. He clearly doesn't have a lot of like experience under his belt, but he has a lot of promise. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I think he's in that stage of his life where he, and I think people, whether or not you're doing art, go through these stages periodically throughout your life where you, you sort of leap ahead of where you were and then you find yourself in a new scenario that is past where you are. And oh, so yeah. you, you're given enough time to come to the realization that you're doing really well. And maybe you're actually good at this thing before you find yourself in a scenario that sort of makes you feel like maybe you aren't good at this thing. Or in the case of this character makes you dig in your heels and say, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, so, and I, I really, I really see it with his character. I think that's one of the reasons why he is so endearing to me mm-hmm. is that he, he has sort of like, he has to be kind of, uh, he has to have sort of a, um, uh, like a, a reckoning, um, with his understanding of the way that this is going to work because yeah, and- he can, he can either be a utilitarian, this sort of utilitarian use of calligraphy and be by the book. And even when, like, even when the character that says, like, hey, yeah, this is exactly how they have it in the textbooks, you Mm -hmm. can see it, like, cutting him so deeply. And everybody can see it because it's just like you have the perfect way of doing it if the thing is just writing instead of for the art of the calligraphy as well. And that's just like such a stab for him. And I just like, it makes him so endearing to me. Yeah, I just feel it. I think if, so for me, uh, I know I kind of went off on a long tangent there, but I I would say for me, the things I struggled with here were it's a, it's a, it's not slow paced from the, the standpoint that I think the story is being told too slowly, but it is about small town living and it evokes that. And so there is mm-hmm. a, a slowness and a pensiveness to it that uh, combined with the slice of life nature of it threatened to cause me to lose my attention a few times. Um, I don't think it ever succeeded, though, because I felt like the characters were so endearing. I obviously have a personal connection to this kind of story from my past. Um, It is also, I would say, probably a slice of life comedy, although I wouldn't be surprised if it got very dramatic. But there are moments of comedy, (laughs) particularly in the third episode with the girl who has like a secret yaoi fetish. Oh, my God. Yeah. But she's like in denial about it. It's so funny. I also so, laughed um, straight out loud in the first part where he's riding on the back of the tractor and he was just like, he said something to him and he was like, is this, is he talking to me about chickens? <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of yeah. like, yeah, that was pretty funny. It's, it's a comedy that's not trying to make you laugh all the time, which I think a lot of us in the West, we think of comedies like that. And there's a lot of like goofy shit and a lot of anime, especially a lot of the shonen anime we were watching. It's either very serious, the middle of a fight, or they're dicking Oh my around. god. That joke and too, where they they like roll out of the house and he's just like, I'm gonna lock the door. And then you hear them whisper outside, let's go sneak back in so he can throw us back out again. I was just like, yeah. you assholes. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's great. So this is the the trajectory of this show is clearly this guy is going to going to have his eyes opened to the sort of stubborn viewpoint that he has now mm-hmm. through the act of getting out of his comfort zone and getting into a new area with people that really have no sense of personal boundaries at all, but that that's going to work out for him because it's going to allow him to see the world through their eyes. Uh, and it, it looks like the cast of characters is, is made up of, you know, wide eyed children that think everything is a Marvel or characters that are on parallel journeys with him. And he'll probably see some of himself in them or characters that are, uh, that respect his talent and are trying to get him to teach them. And he will, I suspect see the sort of lack of artistry in his own skills through the manifestation of whatever he's trying to teach them. So it's, it's a really great setup. This is a strong uh, character piece. And I, I, it's the kind of show that I want to say, I can't see myself watching, but like you said, Spencer, it was relaxing. It was charming. I could definitely see myself turning to this on a bad day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only 12 episodes. It's an easy watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say, even if you're not a, a fan of slice of life comedy, you might be interested in this. And again, Spencer and I feel, I think a personal connection to this story and this character as people who have tried to do something in the arts in the past, but I think that this could potentially appeal to you, even if you haven't had a lot of artistic attempts professionally or as a hobby, because everybody has those moments where they want to be better than they, they get better than they think they're better than they find out that they're not as good as they thought they were. Mm. And that's a, it's a really common cycle. There's actually a name for it that I don't know. And I'm not going to look up right now, but it, there's like a, a sort of graph that shows how good you think you are versus how good you are. And those things mm-hmm. kind of crisscross throughout your life and create different emotional experiences of how you're doing versus everyone else around you. Mm-hmm. And I think this show is kind of about that. And I think everybody can relate to it. And I think it's charming and it's well done. And the animation isn't like the top tieriest of animation, but it's pretty solid. And I yeah. just really enjoyed this. Yeah. With all that being said, we do have a manga that we're covering this week. It's our page flips, and it is an oldie but a goodie. Um, this one is going all the way back to, what, the 90s? Um, yeah, this, this is... came out more or less concurrently with the first generation of Pokemon, and is ongoing to this day, as far as I know. So, this is Pokemon Adventures. Um, it follows the journey of Red uh, as he becomes even better of a Pokemon trainer than he already is. Um, you might be thinking, oh, this is the kid named Ash Ketchum from Pallet Town who doesn't know anything and falls up on his ass all the time into winds. Uh, no, this is Red, um, a kid that is, um, he, he basically thinks that he is hot shit. Um, he is at the same time, not actually as good as he thinks he is. Really, he's been just been showing off for the other little kids in town. Um, and the first time when he, uh, he meets, uh, a, a Pokemon that is way out of his level, uh, he runs into a Mew and he tries to catch it with, I think it, he has a poly, a poly Um, and yeah. his poly is probably like level like 15. Um, or when does, I don't know when poly evolves from Poliwag. I think um, 24, but you can be under leveled. I think it's under leveled. Yeah. Um, and he fights against a Mew and that Mew is definitely like a legendary tier, probably level 50 at least. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's not going to take his, his mess. 
um, and immediately knocks out his polywhirl in just one shot. And he's just like, uh, I guess I have to go meet this creepy guy who lives at the edge of town. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Professor Oak, of course. Yeah, I'm uh, just like, when when he said that, and then I was just like, oh, it's Professor Oak. I was just like, oh, that that is a better representation of who Professor Oak is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is... Uh, Pokemon Adventures, it's also known as Pokemon Special. I think it has been, I've seen it more in bookstores the last couple of years. So I I knew about it beforehand. I think it was kind of bandied about here and there, but never caught on in the West too much. But I think they've really doubled down on it because Pokemon is just, you know, perennially popular. And so, uh, so the Pokemon Adventures manga, you may know it as Pokemon Special. They're the same thing. There are a couple of other Pokemon manga like uh, Electric Pikachu or something like that. I don't remember the exact title um, that are sort of similar. But this is the like long running ongoing series. And uh, yeah, it looks like uh, it looks like it is currently ongoing. So it's been running for a very long time and uh it, it more or less follows the plot of the video games so pokemon the anime is sort of loosely following the pathway of the video games and sometimes utilizing the story of the video games but often you know just alluding to it or doing something else uh, this is much more of the video game story in a manga form. And uh, there's a couple other interesting bits uh, about this series. So like they'll like uh, when they shift regions, they usually shift protagonists. So like red is the protagonist of the first two volumes. And then the Pokemon game yellow came out. And so a character named yellow becomes the protagonist of the third volume and then in the fourth volume, it becomes the gold, silver, and crystal. And so you switch over to a character named Gold, who is designed after the main character player of gold and silver. And so so on and so forth. And so uh, it's super different. Instead of following one character throughout the series, you're following you know a group of characters throughout a story. And uh, it's also different. They, they level up much faster. They catch many more Pokemon. Uh, sometimes they interact with or catch legendary Pokemon, which isn't really something you see in the anime. It's just, it's just designed to feel a lot more like the games. Although one big difference is that it is much darker than the games in weird oh, yeah. ways. I, I liked this more than I liked the anime and I, yeah, the I'm, anime is I'm charming, not, but gets old. <laughs> yeah, I am not hot on the original Pokemon anime. When it was coming out, I was still not hot on it. It was one of those shows <laughs> that I, I watched, but I was just like, I'm in for more, more aggressive things than this. I was one of those people that was just like, I'm going to watch this when Dragon Ball Z isn't on, but I could uh, go yeah. for more Dragon Ball Z. Um, and also, like, the first time I saw Roroni Kenshin on Toonami, I was just like, oh, I could have been watching this. Oh, oh, like I'm way yeah, I, more about that. I did not have access to those shows. So this definitely predated me seeing that. Plus, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, what am I, two years younger than you? So I'm, I might have, I don't know, were you also sort of in the zeitgeist of this as far as like everybody at school was playing the games and playing the cards? I was, everybody in school was playing the games, but nobody really played the card game. And that okay. is because I started playing, uh, 
they may have been playing the card game, but I did not care at that point because ah. I started playing Magic the Gathering. Uh, Magic the Gathering was uh, when I was in fifth grade. Um, so I started really young on Magic the Gathering. Um, so I've been playing that basically my whole life. And to this day, I love that card game more than any other because it's the best card game. Um, and, uh, you're not going to be able to convince me otherwise. Um, Except for the new Digimon card game. <laughs> uh, so bored with you already. Um, anyways, um, back to Pokemon Adventures. Uh, this, this manga is solid if you are a, if you're super into Pokemon. And mm-hmm. I would say if you're somebody that's not super into Pokemon, be prepared for it to be a manga that feels more like a cartoon than you're used to. Um, yes, it, it definitely has so many moments where you're just like, this is written for a different age bracket than I am normally reading for. And that is true. And also that's on purpose. Um, so, so the Pokemon manga, when I was reading about it, one of the reasons that the manga was done originally is to sell the games. Yeah. And so the reason why it's out there is just to give you a compendium to remind you to keep on playing the games um, and to give you a character that reminds you that you like these characters and also go buy more games and buy more cards. And when you put it in that perspective, it really makes a lot more sense with that. As as a big difference between these two things in comparison, the Yu-Gi-Oh! manga is completely different and completely dark from the card game. However, the card game then is sold by the anime, and that's why the anime is so much worse than the manga. Um, Well, the manga becomes the card game later on, but there's a lot of story before that happens. Yeah, but the original There's also an anime of that story. It just didn't get localized here in the United States. They just started with the card game. Yeah, the original manga I read, and I was reading the original Yu-Gi-Oh manga, and I was like, "This is good." Um, and it's oh, really it's interesting because <laughs> it's it's all about like these weird, weird, you know, spells, and also these he these catches games that dude that are, on fire. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens there. And Pokemon Adventures has some of those like it's darker than the video games, but at the same time, like it's it's sort of like the you know the tail wagging the dog sort of situation. Where it's just like it's it's about the manga and the manga's fun and all, but it's really all about selling the video games. Where yeah, the I same sort of thing about like a Transformers, where it's just like mm-hmm. the the toys were you know the the anime and the cartoon and the manga were really supposed to sell the toys, and that's what the money maker was. Everything else like made a little bit of money, but it was really about selling toys. This was about selling video games. I think I agree and also disagree. Uh, or or at least want to add some spice to that dish that you're cooking. Okay. Because, yeah, this is definitely concurrent to the video games, and it's definitely, like, if you're reading this, it's going to get you excited to play the video game so you can see these people, see these places, go on this adventure, meet these Pokemon, um, for sure. Uh, but I, I, I would also say... It's not surprising to me that this is a, you know, sort of like a marketing idea first, but I don't think it, I, I do think that there's a sort of connotation that comes with this thing was made to sell toys that says that thing is therefore not really worth your time. And I don't think that's true here because it's 
clearly made by somebody who thinks that this is interesting and fun to do and is trying to make a story. So this is much more plot driven. Uh, I would say much more plot driven than the anime, which I would, you know, you can also make a case that the anime is made to sell, you know, toys and video games and cards and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to differentiate when you have a series that's so like multi-platformed like Pokemon is. Um, but you know, it, it's also, I think the manga is much more plot focused, whereas the anime is trying to sort of take its sweet time getting from one place to another and make a lot, a lot of episodes with the manga. Like they really, they wrap up an entire plot line in two volumes. And then the yellow plot line is wrapped up in one, like they move and it moves really fast. And I think that that is something that is both to its credit and its detriment to me. Uh, when I'm reading this, I feel, and of course this is coming from a lifelong Pokemon fan who's played every single Pokemon main series game and many of the spinoffs. Mm-hmm. So like I I'm deep in it and I also love Pokemon. Like I'm, it's one of the things that is my favorite series in the world. It is like, I put something about it on my dating profile and that's how I met the person who is now my husband. Like it's a big deal in my life. And I'm a big fan of the, you know, wander through the world, find the monsters, train them up, turn-based battles, kind of all the, all the keystones of the main series that a lot of fans are kind of getting tired of. I love those things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the pacing of this can grind my gears a little bit. And it also, I think sometimes could be too fast paced for its own good, just from like a storytelling perspective where you're like, man, this fight really just wrapped up not off screen, but might as well have been because it wrapped up so fast or like things are just happening and they just happen and happen and happen and happen. And I think it's good from the perspective that like stuff is going on and that stuff matters to the story of the manga. But every once in a while, I'm like, this needs a little more air to breathe than they're giving it. Mm -hmm. Um, The artwork also is a, is in, in a similar way, I think to the plot is a plus and a minus because it's really cute it's very cartoony. Uh, I mean, it, it's recognizably Pokemon. If you've seen early artwork from like red and blue, gold and silver, like the promotional artwork, the official artwork that came out, this is really close to that, but just maybe like a little bit softer edges. And like, I don't know, Pokemon like Pikachu, like it's obviously recognizably Pikachu, but it, it feels a little stylized to fit into this manga. And I like that a lot, but then sometimes the plot gets super serious but there are these characters that look so young or even almost a little bit chibi that you're like i don't know how serious i can take this even though like you're literally threatening to kill this person or like there's a scene where an arbok gets cut in half and you see it but then like it's still kind of this cute illustration so like this is a series I've actually read a lot. I'm I'm probably in volume nine or ten right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been reading this for a while, um, and I would say if I weren't a Pokemon fan, I don't know that I would have stuck with it as long as I did. But I am a Pokemon fan, and so it's a fun extra thing I can do to enjoy the series. Uh, also, the creator of Pokemon has said that this comic, this is a quote, this is the comic that most resembles the world I was trying to convey. So Mm -hmm. uh, I don't I I, and that is in the context of the games already being released. So I think I think for him, he wanted the game, the games to be a little more serious and maybe like a little more 
deadly or threatening enemies and that is what you get in these this manga while still being recognizably tied to the video games Mm -hmm. Uh, it's also been endorsed by the president of the pokemon company who said i want every pokemon fan to read this comic and i think i've come from the same places i'm gonna say a jump in but there's a big asterisk if you don't care about pokemon you might find yourself charmed by this because it is cute and it does tell an intriguing story that can get dark at times so you may end up liking it even if you're not a big fan of Pokemon otherwise. If you are a big fan of Pokemon, uh, you'll probably appreciate it at the very least, if not finding yourself actively really liking it. Okay. Well, my big thing about it is that I'm not super, super into it. Um, I think it's kind of fun, um, but a little bit too childish for me, um, mm-hmm. even though I know it gets dark. Um, it's just one of those things that I wouldn't keep reading just because I'm not interested. Um, and with all that being said, uh, stick with us after these credits and we'll give you another important life lesson. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind podcast network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, anime fans. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a site dedicated to all things geeky. From video games to anime, D&D, board games, comics, and more, since 2015, we've worked to provide fresh geek content and reviews every week. A big part of our content expansion has been the creation of our very own podcast network, of which this very show is a part of. And if you're listening to this, chances are you need no introduction to Blake and Spencer, who offer two shows every week covering anime and manga series, both new and old. However, if you're looking for more podcasts to fill your commute, or maybe your new working from home arrangement, we've got a few other shows to spotlight that would be a great addition to any Geeks Media menu. First, there's Comic Book Keepers, where you can join Lance and Chris as they discuss comic books, heroes, and their impact on our lives. If comics aren't really your thing, maybe you're looking to find something exciting out in the geekosphere, do a little exploring, maybe, you can check out John and Ben's Geek Exploration podcast. They cover a variety of topics from video games to the latest Disney announcements, game shows, and more. A real grab bag of geekdom and a fantastic addition to your weekly listening. Maybe you're a Dungeons & Dragons fan. Well, I would invite you to join the Knights of the Rolled Table, a comedic and family-friendly audio drama featuring a cast of improv actors bringing their unique flair to D&D. Whatever your geeky interests, chances are we've got a podcast for you, and we're excited to offer convention access, giveaway content, and more as part of our continued partnership with Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. See you next time. We'll see you next week, and until then, keep on just staring out at the ocean. Oh God, oh God, it's after my hot dog. <laughs>